the Action Network podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your NFL Week 14 betting preview where we'll talk about our favorite totals, teasers, money line, underdogs, and of course, crack open our weekly Sunday six-pack of Against the Spread Bets with the help of my co-host, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky Stuck. What's going on? Had my second losing week of the year. I think it was the Jets was frustrating, obviously. Another Vikings fraudulent win, but I thought the week overall was deserved. You know, you could say the Chiefs, I was perplexed by some of the Chiefs' decision-making and, you know, the Kelsey fumble, but the Bengals, they dropped a wide-open touchdown. They went for it on fourth down at the end of the the half. I think it was a a well-deserved winner. A couple whiffs, and uh, it wasn't a terrible week, but just like the, what, eight no week the week before, who cares? We're on to the next week. Uh, Let's try to find some winners for week 14. Yeah, a couple whiffs for me, too. Felt good about... You know, how the Dolphins came out in that game, but it just unraveled quick. You know, bad cap by me. I thought I thought Tua would be able to get the ball out, and but he just looked so uncomfortable even when, you know, he was getting the ball out. He was just inaccurate in ways we haven't really seen him. So uh, I'll take the L on, on that one. And, uh, and, yeah, the Titans just ran into a buzzsaw. I'm beginning – you know, the Eagles at home are a lot better, too. I, Burke's getting hurt, just crushes their offense. And then it's great game play by the Eagles, though. We're on to week 14. Yes, sir. Let's jump into the Thursday night football game. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. We have the Las Vegas Raiders going to L.A. to SoFi to take on the Rams. I will be at this game. Turner will be at this game, so it should be fun. The spread is six and a half in favor of the Raiders. The total is 44 and a half. This seems like another one where it's kind of getting away from the Rams, kind of like that Seahawks spread. You know, you can't really point to anything in particular, in my opinion. It's like, oh, yeah, the Rams have a, a, a good shot here. But, you know, we talked about it last week. Just kind of feels like uh, this is a big number here at, at six and a half. I got nothing on this game. I mean, you got Josh Jacobs' quest. Well, the Rams' injuries are wild. Is Baker Mayfield going to end up playing quarterback? Wolford got upgraded today, so you would assume he plays, but who knows? There's just injuries now across the board in addition to Aaron Donald, who obviously will be out. Um, I do think it's a tad high, but uh, I look for reasons not to bet Thursday night football. This game is a mess. But, yeah, I mean, the Rams are still competent. They're not tanking. There's no. They don't have anything to tank for. As I said last week, I, I had them plus what seven and a half against Seattle, which was never really a sweat. And look, they still played hard. They're still well coached on a short week. I think there's a coaching advantage here, which matters as well. Um, so, but I don't know how much of a home field advantage there's going to be. 
for this like dead Rams team um, against a, a team that's not far away. I mean, I, I don't know how much home field you can give, but um, yeah, I think the line is, is a tad high, but lots of injuries to monitor and lots of uncertainty throw in the Thursday night. And uh, this is as easy of a, as a pass as I'll have all year. Yeah, I don't have anything on this game either. It just, you know, that line just looks high. I, I feel like if I'm leaning yeah, in, I make it like four, that, eight, yeah. five. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you could buy to a cheap seven or something, if it ends up keep going up, I would definitely look at the Rams if you're itching for action, but hard to pass. Yeah. I mean, the Rams, you know, I, I do think it'll be a good game for Devontae Adams. The Rams play that zone defense, but, you know, number one receivers, they're bottom three in DVOA. Uh, you know, they don't really stop number one receivers, even with Ramsey, because they just kind of, they don't really get pressure and they just play this soft zone. So let's move on from this one. Don't really need to talk about it too much. Follow Stuck at Stucky2. Follow me at Chris Raybon in the Action app and uh, see if we have anything there. Let's jump into the week 14 Sunday six pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six pack. Forty-seven, forty. I'm up after thirteen weeks, and I got the first pick for week fourteen. For my first pick in the week fourteen Sunday six pack, presented by FanDuel, I'm going with the Carolina Panthers plus four at the Seattle Seahawks, and this one is just pretty simple to me. The Panthers are a competent team. Uh, pretty average team with anyone but Baker Mayfield on the field for them. And that includes Sam Darnold. Uh, when you look at Mayfield's 6.4 yards in attempt, but uh, what really killed him was just 5.3 net yards in attempt. He was taking a ton of sacks and he just didn't look right in the pocket. And uh, non-Mayfield quarterbacks for the Panthers, 7.3 yards in attempt, so almost a yard higher. Uh, and then 6.6 net yards in attempt, which is – you know, over a yard uh, higher per pass play. So that's big for Seattle. I think that uh, for the Panthers here, and I think this Panthers defense is getting healthier and coming together. I think the the bye will do them well. Not only do they get to get healthy, but they get longer time to prepare uh, for this opponent in Seattle. And, you know, J.C. Horn, he's going to be able to take away he's either Metcalf. Yeah, either Metcalf or Lockett. So on 361 coverage snaps this year, J.C. Horn has only allowed 138 yards receiving. Just 17 of 32 caught for 138 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, 38.3 passer rating. So you figure in most plays he's going to be either on Lockett or Metcalf. You know, obviously they'll move him around. Carolina will play some zone. But, you know, that's better than a lot of teams can say uh, when trying to deal with those guys. Uh, you're still going to have Burns to get some pressure. And this defense is pretty solid across the board when they're healthy. Uh, and, you know, they're 11th in EPA per play since Wilkes took over. So it's, it's been a pretty good defense, even though some of the season-long metrics don't really back it up. They're also uh, very strong in terms of yards per completion allowed, uh, under 10. So, you know, this Seattle offense, if you don't let them get explosives and you can eliminate, at least on some of the plays, you know, one of their top two options – you know, this is not the Cardinals, so they're not always going to be able to use their tight ends like 
like they did against the Cardinals. It's going to be tough. And then Seattle's going through some things at running back right now. They don't – they might not have Kenneth Walker, who is – that's a pretty big loss for them uh, because he just adds such an explosive element to their offense. He has an ankle strain. He didn't practice Wednesday. And DJ Dallas, uh, one of the backups, didn't practice either. Travis Homer has a sprained knee, but he is practicing. But it could be Homer, Tony Jones, and, and somebody off the practice squad. And Seattle's averaging only 64.7 yards rushing per game over the last three. And they're 0-3 against the spread over that span. You say, okay, why haven't they been able to cover lately? Well, you know, without that running game, Geno Smith, he's been he's been solid. He's been good even. But it puts him in a lot of third and long situations. Just not a really an ideal situation for their offense. So uh, I think Carolina can hang around here. I think they're a live dog. You know, their defense, last three games, 282 total yards per game and uh, just under 13 points per game allowed. So uh, I really think this defense is coming on and is going to make it a struggle, especially if Seattle can't get those, you know, couple of long Kenneth Walker touchdowns or just explosive plays uh, that they that they usually bank on. So uh, give me the Carolina Panthers plus four underdogs this year by more than a field goal with a total of 47 or less, which fits this game. The total is 44, 54 and 32 against the spread, 63%, uh, 20% ROI. So give me the Panthers. You are the Panthers whisperer, so I'm, I'm not even going <laughs> to argue with you. That's the right side in this game. You and your boy Donald going to war again. <laughs> so I'm just going to move right on to my first pick and the second overall of the Week 14 Sunday six-pack. I'm going to go with the New York Football Giants plus seven at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Digging into the Eagles this week, just on the surface, I you know circled the Eagles after last week. Okay, probably going to get an inflated line after what they did to the Titans. Good sell-high candidate. And I thought that, look, the Titans had a number of injuries. Their defense came and banged up. They had a couple other key injuries on defense. And then once Tennessee lost Traylon Burks, couldn't really throw it downfield. And I thought Philadelphia really did have a great game plan for that game. And also, I'm just not a believer in in Tennessee. I didn't actually end up playing that game. I played it live, actually. I played it a little bit plus 11, which got crushed, too. (laughs) But, I mean, if you look at this Eagles team – They've been, they've had these spots where they've been just looked like a juggernaut this year at home, but they've really struggled on the road. And Jalen Hurts in particular struggled on the road. I mean, there's seven and 16 against the spread on the road since 2020. That's the least profitable team in the NFL over that span. They're one in six against the spread on the road against the NFC East since 2020. And, and I do think overall, like I have Dallas is now with an injury to Jimmy G. We'll talk about that. I have Dallas rated as the number one team in the NFC. I dug into a lot of the Eagles metrics and I mean, it's like, who's their best win per D like, if you look at DVOA, their best win is the lions when like in week one, when the lions were not even close to how good the lions are now They beat the Vikings. I have the Vikings ranked 20th in the NFL, my power ratings. They beat the commanders with Wentz. They beat the Cowboys with Cooper rush. So, you know, a lot of their, their numbers are being helped by playing some backups, some teams. And look, their overall strength of schedule has just been an absolute joke. It's one of the easiest schedules you'll see in the NFL. And what have they done on the road this year? I mean, they 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 beat Wentz. Wentz pulled a Wentz, but they beat the Lions by three. They beat the Texans by 12. Game was probably closer than the, that score indicated. They beat the Colts by one. 
Cardinals by three. These are not great teams. Divisional game catching seven in December. By the way, if you just blindly bet home dogs of seven or more this time of year, December or later, the 55% over the past 30 years, uh, about a 5% ROI. And for what it's worth, and this is goes back to like selling high on a team, in December or later over the past 20 years, teams with a 90% plus win percentage are 25-53-1 and one against the spread, 32%. So, I mean, everyone wants to back the Eagles right now, right? Everyone wants to back the team that's won 90% plus of their games, probably at the peak of their market value, which I think they are now. I make this line lower, which is the main reason for this play. How about when those teams play away from home in December or later with a winning percentage of over 90%? and one against the spread. That's 20%. So a lot of trends here. They just basically go back to the fact that I think that the Eagles are a bit overvalued compared to my numbers. Seven, obviously, is a really... Critical number here. Eagles haven't been the same team on the road. Giants just find ways to ugly these games up, make them like 20 to 16, 23 to 9. That's what this game will be. I would lean under here as well, which gives more value to the home divisional dog. Really important game for the Giants. I, I think that they can keep this close. Home divisional dog catching seven, selling the Eagles high here on the road. Give me the G-men. Yeah, I think the key is the Eagles on the road. They just they just haven't been dominant on the road. They've just been a little bit more closer to the middle of the pack. And then, you know, some of these home games. I know they did lose a home game, what was it, to Washington? But uh, generally speaking, you know, when you look at them on the road, they, they've been a different team. And I think that's the biggest reason here. You know, home divisional dog catching seven, you know, in December that's in the running. That's going to catch my attention, which is why I'm leading off with the Giants. Where are you going next? Let's go with the Detroit Lions, minus two and a half at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Detroit. I really like this Detroit team, and I think this is a sharp line. You know, a lot of people look at it and say, oh, my God, you know, the 10-2 and two Vikings are underdogs to the Lions, who, you know, a few weeks ago everyone thought might be in the running for the, uh, for the top overall pick, but – I think the Lions are the better team, first of all. And, yep. you know, the, the underlying metrics back that up. So you, we'll take DVOA since it's pretty popular. Lions 13th overall, Vikings 20th. Lions 9th on offense, Vikings 18th on offense. Defense, where everyone thought the Lions were just the worst in the league at one point, and they were. But, you know, they they fired defensive backs coach Aubrey Pleasant. They've gotten a lot better schematically. Uh, their young players are coming on. So now they're 19th. Uh, in defense, DVOA, Minnesota 18th. So it's a pretty much a wash, which... But the Lions are trending up and the yeah, Vikings are not. We've come a long way. Yeah, Vikings are actually 20th weighted. So yeah, Vikings are actually worst team uh, on defense, which is pretty remarkable given, you know, it's pretty much like a four or five week turnaround there for Detroit. And then Detroit ninth on special teams, Minnesota 20th. But there's so many more things to like in this matchup beyond just Detroit's the better team. The, the matchup in terms of the scheme of Detroit's defense against Minnesota's offense is advantage Detroit. So they play the fifth most man coverage because they blitz a ton. They blitz at the sixth highest rate, about 32%. And first of all, Minnesota's allowing the eighth most pressure in the league at just under 25%. But Kirk Cousins has not been good uh, against man coverage this year. And it used to be, you know, zones and, and certain types of zones used to give them problems. But this year, it's it's been the man coverage. They are 27th in the league in uh, yards per targeted pass attempt against man coverage at, at 6.8. Uh, they're over a yard higher 
against zone and closer to the middle of the pack. And then you look at it is, a new, it is a new offense. So they're, they're, yeah, it is, yeah, exactly. So it's kind of some of the things we used to think about cousins are they're kind of flipped in a way, uh, but he's, he's not having a great year. I mean, even with all those weapons, he's the yards for attempt is low. The yards for completion is low. They're having to throw a ton to get their passing production, but against the blitz in particular, which again, kind of like the giants, you just know Detroit is going to bring some blitzes. Uh, That's what they love to do with Aaron Glenn. Uh, Kirk Cousins has a grade of 52.6 from PFF against the Blitz. That is 34th of 38 qualified quarterbacks. So he has not been good against the Blitz this year. Uh, You know, not good against pressure, which the Lions are getting more of. They're they're up to the middle of the pack uh, in pressure rate, which means they're probably top 10 over the last four or five weeks uh, because, you know, they started pretty low. So, this Minnesota t- offense, even though they have all those studs, doesn't necessarily mean it's a good matchup for them. Now you look at Detroit on offense, and Detroit can match Minnesota with firepower. You got DeAndre Swift healthy. He played his most snaps since week one. He had 18 touches, which were his most touches since week one last game. And he averages 6.4 yards a touch. So that's a major, uh, major boom for them to have him healthy. Then you have the entire receiving corp healthy. You have Amon Ross St. Brown, even though he took that big hit, came back, scored another touchdown in that game. You have Chark healthy and playing really well. You have Josh Reynolds healthy. You have Raymond healthy. And you have Jamison Williams healthy. And he's actually ahead of schedule. Got about uh, eight, nine, 10 snaps in that last game uh, last week. So what the Lions have been doing has been easing guys in, in that first week as that receiver. And then they, you know, up the snaps in week in their second game. So Jameson Williams could be a factor in this one. And you add, you know, Swift, you add, you know, Williams is almost automatic at the goal line. Uh, and, and this Minnesota team, not great on defense. They don't really blitz a lot. Uh, they're not the 23rd in pressure rate. And, uh, you know, God, defense. yeah, that's the way you, you get to God is pressure. He has a 109 passer rating clean, uh, 61 passer rating under pressure, but Minnesota's, you know, bottom 25% in in uh in pressure rate so it shouldn't be a massive effect here and detroit is at home and at home that's offensive lines usually play better detroit has one of the best detroit averaging 31.9 points per game at home 18.4 on the road so massive difference the point differential at home plus four the point differential on the road minus 7.4 so an 11.4 point swing uh home to road for the lions so uh Love them under a field goal here. Think they win this game. Think this this is the correct line here, even though it might look odd to people. Uh, give me the Lions minus two and a half. I completely agree. Team, by the way, teams with a winning percentage of seventy percent plus or greater in December or later over the past thirty years, forty uh, percent against the spread, as you might expect. The Vikings are ten and two with a 10, plus ten net scoring margin. And the last time. A team with its starting quarterback and an 80% plus win percentage was an underdog versus a team that was under 500 in December. Uh, the 9-2 and two Falcons with Mike Vick in 2004, <laughs> they were a short underdogs against the Bucs, the 4-7 and seven Bucks, and the Bucs won 27-0. But, yeah, I completely agree here. I think the Lions are trending up because their defense, they're getting healthier. you got to remember, they were playing without Swift. They had offensive line injuries. They were playing with – uh, without Amon Ross St. Brown for a couple games. Let, let's just compare these two teams. Vikings 31st in the league in net yards per play. 31st. Lions 24th. You mentioned DVOA. Vikings 20th. Lions 13th. 
Offense, you said ninth offense for Lions, DVOA, and Vikings 18th. Same thing in EPA per play. Lions ninth, Vikings 18th. Defense, same exact story if you look at EPA per play. How about special teams? Lions even better in that department. Uh, so, like, just no matter where you look. And also, the, the Vikings are plus eight turnover margin. They're nine and zero in their last nine one possession games. You know, they were blown out by the Eagles and Cowboys. They just get fluky win after fluky win. They should have lost that first game against the Lions. If not, they were down double digits in the fourth quarter. And if not for a busted coverage and a bad fourth down decision uh, by Campbell. But, I mean, they just they got off game t- by 200 yards last week against the Jets. This team's luck is going to run out. I mean, no matter where you look, they are below average. I have them 20th in the NFL right now. It is bad. And the Lions are trending up, charging. I think they've covered five straight. They're 5-1-1 one, and one against the spread after the bye. The one game that they didn't cover was a fluke, really a fluky loss at Dallas. Like, they were right in the game at the end, and there was a they fumbled at the one, and they could have easily covered that game. They were in a position to take the lead in the fourth quarter. This Vikings voodoo magic won't last forever. I like the Lions here, too. It is an odd-looking line. You know, but it's moved from, like, one to two and a half. That's not a huge deal. If it moves to three, it will be. You, you want to get this under three. I actually money line the Lions with the Cowboys in a parlay. It's still the better value to get the two and a half than to take, you know, whatever it is, like minus 135, I think it is, the money line. Like, you would still rather take the two and a half, even though anything under three, right? I would. I would take the two and a half instead of that in this particular game with where the total is, too. It's a high total. But if you can find a, a cheap, you know, you're increasing your risk. I just don't see there's, I just, I've done, I did this last week. And by the way, I got lucky. Like, last week, got a losing week. I had the, 49ers money line parlay with the Ravens. Talk about getting lucky with the Ravens. Uh, <laughs> teams were, I think, 0 and 206 since 1995 with without failing to score more than 10 points and the negative two turnover margin. And guess what? The Broncos found a way to end a 206-0 streak. So, yeah, I personally parlayed the Cowboys money line. I just don't see the Cowboys losing it with the Lions money line, but I don't mind the minus two and a half either. It's a high total. The only thing that, would, that scares me a little bit is if you get on funky scores because the Vikings kicking the Vikings special teams suck and like uh, yeah. Joseph misses misses a bunch of extra points so like could, you could get a like a weird score going for two but it's very small percentage chance I I don't mind laying the two and a half here this Vikings stuff it's got it's got to run out eventually we saw Mike White just move up and down the field especially in that second half we said oh look Mac Jones after the bye that offense looks a lot better well. That wasn't the case against the Bills last week. I think that was just more about the Vikings' defense. Lines are surging. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. All right, where are you going with your next one? Uh, for my second pick in the fourth overall of the Week 14 Sunday six-pack, I'm going to go with the – let's go with the Jacksonville Jaguars plus four at – the Tennessee Titans. Now, look, there's a, a chance that Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, but from everything that I've read and people that I've talked to, I think that he's going to be okay. And and Peterson came out today and said he expects him to practice later in the week. He came back in the game last week, let a touchdown drive. He only had three drives in the second half because the Lions just controlled the ball the whole time. But he was able to come back in. It's a toe. It's not like he's a receiver. So, you know, we've seen – Many quarterbacks play through it. It might be painful. But the fact that he came back in last week, I think he'll be good to go. You know, the Jaguars buying low on them after their embarrassing loss. We're going to get a tad bit of value, but the Titans also got blown out. So what's the difference here? 
Well, it, this Titans team needs to win with margin, which is tough for them to do. This is when you want to fade Brable when he's a favorite of over a field goal. And how you attack this Jags team is you throw on them. I mean, you look at the they've they've been pretty much within one possession of every game this year. But the reason we I like them against Baltimore is you know the Ravens don't have great receivers, they're not gonna kill you on the outside. The the Lions just shredded them. Goff, I think, was the number one quarterback in EPA per play last week out of any quarterback that played. And they just have an awful secondary. Well, what Tennessee without Traylon Burks, who I doubt's gonna play, new concussion protocol. These receivers don't play a week after in general of getting a concussion. So they just don't have that downfield threat. And, you know, they can beat you a little play action, but the strength of this Jags defense is their run defense. So they can load the box. It's an above average run day. It's a horrible pass day, but that's okay against this Tennessee team with a bad O-line. It's, you know, a hobbled. We'll see if Ryan Tannehill is fully healthy. Most importantly, it's the, it's the defense for Tennessee is just crushed by injury. Uh, I've mentioned how important I thought Autry was. And I, I mean, I thought he was going to be back like within a week or two, but it doesn't look like that's the case. He didn't practice again today. I didn't practice at all last week. So I would assume he's out. Jeffrey Simmons dealing with an ankle. I think he should have rested it. And now your secondary is getting decimated. You saw them last week. They're down to Roger McCreary and, you know, Trey Avery was getting burnt. Trey Avery's now hold. Fulton is hurt. I mean, this it's Molden is on IR. I mean, it is crazy. This is just a, a complete mash unit on defense. So divisional game catching over a field goal this year, low total with all the injuries that Tennessee has. I'm assuming uh, Lawrence will play. If he doesn't play, it's not dead, but I'm assuming that he will. And he'll have success with his receivers and ETN on the outside just because this Tennessee defense is a shell of itself. Jacksonville at four. Now this ticked up with the uncertainty around Lawrence, which I think is more noise than anything. Give me the Jags here catching four. What do you make of the Jags inconsistency? Like this Jags team never seems to string together two straight good games because they, they have talent. I, yeah, I think it comes down to the quarterback. Uh, now there's, there's part of it is that their, their defense is the way that it's structured schematically. And then where the talent lies that if they do have a bad matchup and like a quarterback is on, they could get shredded, you know, through the air. But if it, if they're playing an, an opposing offense that can't really throw it, that relies on the run game, they can hang. But then I think the most check on that is just Trevor Lawrence's inconsistent. I think he's just inconsistent. I mean, you're, you're not going to need to score a ton of points to, to keep up here. It's not like you're going to Kansas City. And at least this team's been scrappy for the most part. I mean, they haven't lost a game by more than 10, and all their other losses were by one possession before last week. And uh, I think they just got caught in a buzzsaw after, you know, a big win against the Ravens. They went up, and I don't think they were really prepared. The only thing I really can do is fade the Jags because I really have no feel of, like, when to bet on them. And I also don't have any feel on when to bet their unders. You know, I, I thought I had one with the uh, with that Baltimore game. But, I mean, they, I don't know. Their defense is kind of – I guess it's what you said. They, they're just not good against the pass. But, I mean – some of the, the defensive numbers honestly alarm me too. I mean, they gave up 434 yards to the Colts. They gave up 436 yards to the Giants. I mean, I I can never get a feel for this one, but uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully they come through for you. For my third and final pick and the fifth overall of the week 14 Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel, I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens plus two and a half at Pittsburgh. 
Uh, and we'll talk about this this number. I think there might actually be some value in, in buying it up to three, but I, I do think they win this game. So I'm going to go with the two and a half for the, the contest regardless. But, uh, you know, looking at Pittsburgh, I, I know Tyler Huntley's starting for Baltimore, but I, I think I think now's a, a decent time to sell on Pittsburgh. You know, they're coming off two straight road wins in one of the games. You know, the Colts, the, the, the corpse of Matt Ryan, can't get a first down until the second quarter. Uh, and in the next one, you got Marcus Mariota just finding ways to to lose games as he tends to do for the Falcons. But I, I just think this is a toss-up game. Baltimore is going to be very motivated. You know, Pittsburgh keeps inching past them and giving them these tough losses. So I, I do think you're going to see a great effort from Baltimore. And, you know, this offense has kind of been – you've talked about it a couple of weeks ago. This offense has kind of been – stuck in the mud a little bit as of late. So, you know, going from Jackson to Huntley, I mean, now you have less tape uh, of of the quarterback. Huntley had a really good connection with Mark Andrews, so maybe you could get that going. Uh, so there's just a lot of things that I think make this kind of a, a toss-up game. You know, Baltimore's defense is coming on of late, you know, 13.3 points per game since they acquired Roquan Smith, 263 total yards per game. Uh, over those last four games and Kenny Pickett he's you know he shows flashes but he's still the type of quarterback that in this kind of game can easily lose the game for you because or or maybe I put it a different way not win the game because he is only Baker Mayfield is worse in passer rating from a clean pocket I'll put it that way 67.6 passer rating from a clean pocket is 36 of 37 qualified quarterbacks so you know, even if Baltimore is not getting a ton of pressure, which I think they're getting more now than they were earlier in the year, but uh, this is the kind of game where, you know, the Steelers could easily score, you know, 10, 12, 13 points. And you look at Tyra Huntley in his career, and it, it's been, you know, two-point win, one-point loss, one-point loss, three-point loss. Like, every game is close. Every Steelers-Ravens game is close, uh, which is why I, I do think it might have there, there might be some value in buying up to the three here. Uh, but, uh, you know, Pittsburgh is they, – they average the fewest yards per attempt against man coverage and the, the third lowest against zone. So they're just – like this Baltimore defense has talent. They're getting healthier. It looks like Ronnie Stanley practicing full. Uh, so I just think this Baltimore team – there's not a huge gap here, even with Huntley summoning for Lamar. I think this is a toss-up game. Uh, I have it as, uh, as such. And – uh yeah, I'm taking Baltimore here. Uh, expect them to to finally win one uh, against Pittsburgh or maybe lose by a point or two like Huntley does sometimes. But uh, I expect this one to be close, as all these Ravens-Steelers games tend to be. It's Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. Yeah, I think the Ravens are going to carry some of that momentum over from last week. They were the fourth team in NFL history to lead by two possessions in the fourth quarter of the first 11 games. The other three were 11-0. and They were 7-4. and Everything was going wrong at the end. And then they win one of these miracle games. So I think it was kind of like a, a, a sigh of relief to kind of steal one of those games. And I do think you're right on the defense. I mentioned this about a month ago. I think the defense is with Rokon Smith. They added some edge depth. They're going to get healthier. And their secondary is going to be fine. I mean, look at Marlon Humphrey, by the way. I mean, he's been absolutely dominant. He's about 325 yards all season. Zero touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, he's three sacks, six pressures, only three penalties all year. He's, I mean, you could argue he's the best cornerback in the NFL right now. Uh, he's He played Cortland Sutton, 
no catches. Jamar Chase, two catches for 19. This is when he's in single coverage. Stephon Diggs, one for 17. Christian Kirk, two for 13. Alave, one for seven. Tyree Kill, one for five. Waddle, four targets, one catch, four yards. DJ Moore, two catches, 19 yards. He just locked up basically every receiver across the board. It's going to be ugly. I would look at this under. It just feels like this feels like the old classic Ravens games, the Ravens Steelers games. It'll be just, ugh. What's this total? 37? I had yeah. so low, but I would I still lean under. Pickett's just been so erratic from a clean pocket, and Baltimore has so much talent on defense. that I, And obviously Pittsburgh as well. On the other side, I just – I do worry about, like, t- turnovers deep in, in the, you know, the opposing territory because, you know, Tucker's not missing any, any field goal inside of, like, 60. Would you buy up to three, like, past, like, 120 or just – Minus 125 for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Since 2008, when Harbaugh got to Baltimore, uh, faves of more than a field goal in Ra- in the Ravens Steelers matchups are one fifteen and two against the spread. <laughs> one fifteen and two of any team that was laying more than a field goal. Now, generally, it's just like you're they're like three and a half or four, right? It's not like these teams have been separated by that much over the years. But yeah, one fifteen and two. Favorites of over a field goal in this matchup since 2008. Insanity. Yeah, I think I, I think I am going to end up buying up to the three. Uh, obviously, yeah, I would wait. Just wait to see, yeah. and then if you see it ticking down. But uh, I do think it's worth it with this total and in this particular matchup. Uh, Harbaugh is uh, 12, two and two, 86 percent against the spread when he's on the road in the division from week 10 on. So essentially on the back half of the season, including four, one and one, 80 percent. Uh, as a dog, and he's uh, overall 32, 22, and 3, 59% against the spread as a road underdog in his career. And Mike Tomlin as a favorite is 80, 92, and 2. So all those stats we talk about, you know, with him as as an underdog, you know, he's he's not very good uh, as a favorite. These tend to be kind of letdown spots for the uh, for the Steelers. So, yeah, give me some, uh, give me some Ravens. I'm going to cut you off because, like, when you're out of time, we all know it. <laughs> all right. For my third pick and the sixth overall of the week 14 Sunday six pack, I'm going with the Denver Broncos plus nine and a half. I believe this is the first time I'm betting the Broncos this year. Taking plus nine and a half, I will bet plus nine and a half, but it's at nine and a half right now. So why bet it? Uh, I'm going to wait to see if it does touch 10. Obviously, uh, a key number in a matchup where the Chiefs have won 13 straight overall against the Broncos, amazingly enough. the Actually, I do, but I bet the Broncos when Russell Wilson didn't start and lost, but I should have won. Uh, <laughs> but that, I did not bet the Broncos. I faded Zach Wilson. I want to make that clarify. Uh, but what do I say every week? Every Broncos game is the same. It's a replay. They lose in a low-scoring game in the teens every week. They've lost one game by double digits, and that was when, like, a Panthers. Panthers I forget about the Panthers. Yeah, the Panthers got The Panthers, I believe, were their biggest loss, you know, because. Yeah, Panthers it. whisper. <laughs> They've lost, like, three games in overtime. This is a team, by the way, they were just plus eight and a half at Baltimore, and they covered. So I had to upgrade them from last week. I make this around a touchdown. The, the unders 11-1 and one in Broncos games. Uh, that's only happened one other time in the last 20 years, the 2003 Bills. Uh, Mahomes, when you want to fade them, Look, I mean, he's never lost on the road in division. He's 15-0 straight up. But when you want to fade him, it's when he's a favorite of seven or more on the road. He is 7-0 straight up, 1-6 against the spread. And if you just look overall, that's in division games. 
Uh, if you look overall, that's when you want to fade Mahomes when he's a favorite of over a touchdown. And so, yeah, there's just scripts. There's, it's, it's a home divisional dog catching over a field goal. The defense is playing lights out. They're going to show up here for the Chiefs. And one of the things I do like under Kubiak, like the results, because they, they changed play callers to Kubiak from yeah. Hackett to Kubiak, and the results haven't been there in the red zone in scoring, but they're going with just a much heavier personnel. And they're using like three tight ends and they're just running the ball going slower. And I think that can work, you know, using more plaction. But Russ isn't getting hit as much. Uh, he's not having as many turnover worthy plays and they're getting more manageable third downs. So it hasn't translated yet into conversion percentages in the red zone. I mean, it's amazing. Their red zone numbers on defense are ridiculous, and then the red zone numbers on, on offense are, are horrendous. That's why they're going to potentially lead the league in scoring uh, on defense and uh, be dead last on offense. But they're going really heavy, and I think that can work against this Chiefs defense. It's 26 in line yards, 26 in stuff rate. So you can kind of keep Mahomes off. You know, the Bengals kind of did some of that last week. But you keep ball control, keep that Chiefs offense on the sidelines, but the, and the the uh, Broncos defense is just every week they show up and uh, they ball out here. I think this is just a tad too high. Uh, I'm going to be waiting on the 10 here, but I think that the Broncos can follow the script and lose this game by three to seven. What I'm struggling with here, are the Broncos the better play or is the under the better play? Because I only think one or two of the Broncos games have even gotten to the total at like 43 and a half. But, you know, then I'm looking at the Chiefs and I'm like, okay, well, you know, they go on the road and put up 44 in San Francisco, 40, they, they put up, well, like 41 on Tampa Bay. Like they put up big numbers on some good defenses. So then I'm like, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. And then I look at the, the action app and usually like you see the sharp signal for almost every under worth betting is just, you know, sharps tend to bet unders because most the public doesn't and uh i just i don't i don't see the the at least it hasn't been hit yet uh so i just wondered what your opinion is on on that because i'm guessing you know if you think the broncos are going to cover you think this game is going under yeah there's there's but also if you especially if i can get 10 Mm -hmm. then and the total i mean it's just so hard to play uh chiefs Mm -hmm. what is the total sitting at right now three and a half Yeah, yeah 43 i would lean under i make it like 41 and a half but if it's like, uh, you know, 27-13, um, which is pr- like pretty comprehensive and the Broncos have the ball late, um, I mean, even 24-13 um, and the Broncos have the ball late and the Chiefs are kind of just playing prevent and then, you know, Russ goes down and gets a touchdown – um, and then it's, you know, a 24, 20 final, uh, a 27, 20 final, and that's what puts it over. And then you get your cover. So even if the Broncos offense doesn't do anything and they're around like that 10 to 13, but the chiefs are around like 24 to 27, you could still easily get a cover, um, in that, you know, especially if you're getting 10. Um, so that's the only thing I would worry about, but I get your point, but there also could be the chance where you get a back door that gets you the cover, but also puts it over. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't hate the under here. I do think there's some correlation, but uh, I prefer the Broncos just a little bit. I mean, you're getting a lot of points in a, a low total game, so I, I get, it. I get yeah. it. At the end of the day, you'd rather have the best red zone defense in the league when you're fading Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah. All right, 
Uh, that is going to do it for the six pack. Let's see who we got. We got some Daniel Jones. We got some Trevor Lawrence. We got some Russ, Sam Darnold, Jared Goff, and Tyra Huntley. So yeah, we're we're back in our back at our roots. This one. It feels good to be back on Daniel Jones, yeah. Russ, and maybe some beat hard. Yeah, man. Love it. I, I, I probably got your beat going to Sam Darnold and, and Huntley, but eh, I guess it's pretty close. But I am weighing points with golf, so yeah, it's, it's, it's up there. To recap, Duck has Giants plus seven, hosting Philly, the Jags plus four at Tennessee, and the Broncos plus nine and a half, hosting the Chiefs. I have the Panthers plus four at the Seahawks, the Lions minus two and a half hosting the Vikings and the Ravens plus two and a half at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now let's get into our week 14 coaches pep talk. Every time we get ready to play, I just want to throw up. I'm sick of watching you guys play. This week's Coach's Pep Talk comes to us from the 1993 film, Rudy, and we're dedicating it to Nathaniel Hackett, your boy, Stuck. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. And after what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't gonna never happen. You gotta go back to him. Last week, you dedicated it to him. You got the cover. Broncos found a way to lose in inexplicable fashion. Wouldn't be shocked if that happens again this week. But uh, we don't care about that here. Nate, Nate, what do they call him? Nate Hackett. Nate, uh, I don't know if he, I doubt he goes by Nate to his friends. But old hack, if you uh, <laughs> you can become friends of this podcast, you want to start covering down the stretch. Let's let's uh, let's get to the window here. That would be epic. Just the Broncos just continue to lose, but cover every game. I mean, that's kind of the game script. You know, it's not out of the question. Although, you know, losing by two scores to the Panthers kind of makes you nervous. I mean, this team realistically could have nine wins if they just had some semblance of competent offense. Now, injuries have crushed them too, but man, they've been so close because the defense has been that good. It's got to be so frustrating for that DN for fans. It's the same script every week. So since November 2020, Kansas City favored by more than a field goal with Patrick Mahomes starting 8-21 against the spread, 28%. Two and six this year. So, you got a chance. Yep. All right. Uh, let's jump into our favorite totals of the week. Got the Miracle covers on the totals last week with the two division games, the Raiders and the Chargers, even though Keenan Allen made a crazy catch and just some notable offensive plays still didn't go over. And then, uh, yeah, somehow the Giants commanders just could not score. I think the commanders had like this – like this long drive that went absolutely nowhere and just milked half the overtime clock and Giants missed a field goal. So, yeah, keep it going. Where are you going for this week? I'm going to go with uh, Browns-Bengals under 47 and a half. Late season divisional unders. We talk about these a lot. Totals over 45 between division teams this late in the year, 60% over the past 30 years. But uh, I like this because I show a little value of the number. And Bengals offense has been awesome. Burrow is, I think, has taken a, another step, and their offense has taken a step overall forward this year, especially if you compare their season-long numbers from last year to this. 
But the Browns have had their number. I mean, Miles Garrett has always wrecks havoc on them. And, you know, Burrow's 0-4 against the Browns. I think he's failed to clear 20 points in each of the last three meetings. Granted, Chase didn't play earlier this season. Um, but I think the Browns' defense can compete on the outside here. The secondary is playing pretty well. Their run defense is bad still, and they lost Taki Taki in the middle. I mean, you're down to Deion Jones and – it's bad. And so I think the Bengals are going to come out here and try to run a little bit more because it looks like Mixon's going to play. And that's when they're like least efficient on offense. But I think that they'll have some success running it, keep the clock moving. Yeah, I think they the, give it to Piran. I mean, Piran looks better yeah, than Piran's been, this year. Piran's been awesome. Which is, uh, it pains me to say because he essentially ruined like half of my Super Bowl bets. But yeah, same. Yeah. And uh, on the other side, I, you just can't assume that Watson is going to look good this week after what we saw last week. Uh, he looked lost i think in the second half they were like look we we don't really trust the passing game they're gonna so i think they're gonna lean on the running game here and one of the most troubling things was that i heard that from few in the organization that like watson was just really confused by the differing looks that houston was giving it's like the different like houston <laughs> like Houston two. was basically just like their bear <laughs> cover too they were just moving some like they were disguising big basic things the Bengals, and it makes sense like he's seeing live action for the first time in like 700 days um, that's why there's a preseason. It's like the, so, but the Bengals do that as well as any team in the NFL, especially in second half. They change up their looks, um, disguise everything. Mahomes just talked about it again. Um, it's why you see the, the Bengals constantly shut out teams in the second half. So, I, you know, it's going to take them some time. I said, I said all year, it's going to take them a couple weeks. And, uh, after what I saw last week, you can't assume that it's going to be any better this week. It could be a little better, but you, can't expect the old Deshaun Watson. And uh, so I think that the Browns are going to lean on the run game here. Big game for the Browns. I guess they could get back in, back, get back in here. Yeah. Bengals um, want to get their revenge, but um, I think it's going to be a, a, a more run heavier game here. And uh, I think there's some value in this under. Yeah. It's a pretty high total for a division game. Just it's a high total for 2022 period. I mean, we yeah. talk about it. The average score is, uh, under 44. I don't hate it. Uh, I'll have something on this game in a bit. So I'll jump into my total uh, going with, so it was between Casey Denver, uh, full disclosure, and uh, this Buffalo Jets game. Uh, I'm going to go Buffalo Jets under 43 and a half. Uh, see if you can get a 44. That is the key number. But, uh, you know, I just think both of these, de- I just have a lot of respect for both of these defenses. And I think you have a, a few different ways that you could stay under this total, whether it's, you know, Buffalo kind of ends the Mike White hype and, and just wins like 30 to three or something like that. Or you get another close game where Allen struggles uh, against what's probably the most well-rounded defense he's going to face all year. But uh, these are both top six defenses by DVOA. Buffalo is fourth. They are seventh against the pass, third against the rush. And then the Jets are sixth on, on defense. They're fifth against the pass uh, and 11th against the rush. Both of these teams also top 10 in pressure. So always like that, you know, even if you do have a a good quarterback and Allen on the other side, uh, the only way you're going to put a dent in his numbers is by getting pressure and getting it without having to blitz. And the Jets specialize in that. They are fifth in pressure rate, just under 25%. And they blitz at the second lowest rate in the league. And then Buffalo is up to 10th in pressure rate, even – without Von Miller because they are getting healthier uh, on defense. You know, even though Miller's out for the year, you got a lot of guys that miss games that are, that are coming back. And even on the back end, 
you know, they're able to hold up longer in coverage, which helps. You yeah, know, Trey White should be getting up to a full workload. Yep, very, yep, very was soon. just gonna get. Yep, just gonna get to White. So you know, we kind of under the radar played 16 snaps a couple of weeks ago in that Thanksgiving game, and then against the Patriots, he jumped to 33 snaps. So he should be fully up to speed now. You had the 10 day break and, and all, that. and that's big because Garrett Wilson is is a budding superstar. I mean, this guy. He had what a buck sixty two last week and should have had two fifty and a touch. Uh, so any anytime you can get cornerback help uh, this time of year to face a, a guy like that, you know that's going to be really important for their defense. Both of these defenses, you know, outdoors in a game where we could see some weather conditions here. Looks like you're going to see some precipitation. Looks like you're going to get winds up into the double digits uh, as well. And you know that Jets uh, pass defense. Buffalo has faced four other top 12 pass defenses. New England, uh, the Jets, one other time, the Packers, and the Ravens. And they average just 23 and a half points per game uh, against those top 12 pass defenses. Against everyone else, just under 30 points a game. So that's obviously how you slow down Buffalo. But uh, something else I like about what Buffalo is doing here that could help this under, and, and it could have been a product of the injury, the, the elbow injury, but I think it's just – also a product of the recklessness they're running more and it's been subtle, but these last four games averaging 27.8 design runs per game. Uh, and they're running uh, about four, they're calling design runs about 40% of the time, about eight more runs per game. That's always going to kind of help bleed some clock here. Uh, you don't want to get into third and long against this, this jet, even if you're Josh Allen, you still want to get in third and long against this pressure D and then, uh, you know, both of these teams also top 10 and fewest 20-plus yard passes uh, allowed. And and I think Mike White, uh, I think he's going to struggle in this game. You know, he faced the Bears defense, which is dead last in DVOA. Minnesota's 20th, talked about them. Uh, and White faced this Bills defense last year, and that's where it really kind of all fell apart. Now, he, he averaged 5.7 yards an attempt on 44 attempts, ended up getting benched for Flacco weight, no touchdowns, four picks. Uh, that was a high-scoring game, but that's because the Jets really didn't have a defense uh, at that point. So I think, you know, being that he turned the yeah, ball the Jets over. Jets defense was one of the worst yeah. in the NFL last year, and that's one of yeah. the best. Uh, I think the Jets are going to play it conservative here. They're talking up Bam Knight. Uh, maybe they get Carter back, but uh, either way, you know, they're going to work in two, three running backs. Uh, I think they're going to kind of run the ball here. But you look at this Bills defense, I mentioned their metrics. They're top four on defense. Tredavious White missed 10 games. Poirier missed three games. Tremaine Edmonds missed three games. Gregory Rousseau missed three games. And Oliver missed three games. Milano missed the game. Uh, some of the quarterbacks, I'm not even mentioning, missed because, I mean, they've had so many guys out to still be uh, a top five defense. So, you know, eight of these Jets, eight of 12 Jets games have gone under 44. And last week against Minnesota was one of the ones that did it. But that was like Minnesota shouldn't have scored as many points as they did. The Jets allowed just 287 yards of total offense on 64 plays to Minnesota, just 4.3 yards per play. Uh, and then look at Buffalo's defense, what they did to New England, 242 yards on 51 plays, 4.7 yards a play. So both of these defenses in tip top shape, maybe Buffalo blows them out. But I think then it's like one of those like 35 to, to, to 10, 35 to six type situations or 31 to six, whatever, but uh, outdoor divisional unders 62, 38 and one 62% since the start of last year, 26, 11 and one 70% this season. And, and again, there, there should be some weather in this one as well. So give me the Jets bills under 43 and a half. 
a pair of divisional outdoor unders for us. Yeah, yeah. To recap, Browns, Bengals under 47 and a half and Bills, Jets under 43 and a half. Now it's time for our favorite teaser of the week. Oh yeah, six point teasers. Uh, where are you going for week 14? Yeah, ideally you want to tease through three and seven uh, with both sides. I'm not going to do that here exactly. Well, I'm going to do that with the Ravens. So teasing the Ravens up from two and a half to eight and a half. Game with a low total where it's even more valuable to tease. And then I'm going to also tease the Bucks up. They're at three, three and a half, almost as valuable. That's the next best thing you do, teasing uh, a dog up from three, three and a half up and – the total is 37 points should be at yep. a premium in this game. It's Brock Purdy second game. You know, he looked pretty good coming in in relief of Jimmy G, but he's obviously a seventh round rookie. It's a big downgrade. Uh, this should be a low scoring game. And then one of the other things I like is like, you know, when you have a hall of fame quarterback with these teasers, like if the box are down 14, like, and then the, the Niners play prevent, like Brady's most likely going to go down and score the touchdown to cut it to seven. By the way, the Bucks the only time the Bucks offense works. And yeah. there's two minutes to First go. First drive and the last drive. Um nothing so, You know, you have to, that's one of the things I actually do look for, and it just puts me over the top sometimes. It's like, all right, if they're down 14 late and need a touchdown, Brady will go down and get it uh against prevent. But I think overall this game will just be low scoring and uh a dog fight. So yeah, Bucks, yes. Ravens. Yeah, I'm going the exact same one. Uh Ravens up to eight and a half, Bucks up to nine and a half, because there's another two and a half with the Vikings Lions game, but I actually like the Lions in that one. So not good. and the totals high. Totals high. Yeah, for totals high. But yeah, in in essence, you're you're essentially getting you know two dogs over one score in games with a total of thirty seven each in yep. you know, the Ravens Steelers and Bucks Niners. So I, I think that's the way to play it this week. There aren't you know I, I don't fully trust the the Bengals to win. Don't trust the fully trust the Eagles to win. You know these divisional games. You know, sometimes it could be tempting to tease it down from like seven to one or six to a pick, but you know, there's a reason those numbers are where they are. So I don't really trust trust those. So yeah, uh, not many options, but uh, yeah, both of us going Baltimore up to eight and a half bucks, up to nine and a half. Let's get into our money line underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. All right. So, yeah, we did not hit last week. It was Houston. You had Houston. I had the Falcons. I think I Houston somehow gave up 28, the most points in NFL <laughs> history without allowing an offensive touchdown. Yeah, two, two defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown? Like, come on. I was like, there's uncertainty with Deshaun Watson. He might look really bad. And the yeah. Texans are so bad that they're like, I don't care how bad Deshaun Watson looks. We're going to give the Browns three non-offensive touchdowns. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, where are you going this week? All right, let's go with the Houston. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's go <laughs> with the uh, – I'm going to go with the Chargers at home against the Dolphins. Dolphins staying out on the West Coast for their second straight game. I actually see some parallels to last week um, with the 49ers. The Chargers don't have as good of a defense, but they have a much better quarterback. And you can attack this Dolphins team with backs and short passes – 
That was one of the things I was telling you I was worried about with the Dolphins' defense against the 49ers. And Purdy came in and did it. He went 25-37, moved the ball. Herbert could do that here, and it looks like Corey Lindsley's going to play. That's massive. He is just – he's probably the second most important player on that offense. When he's not in there, the offensive line completely falls apart. Zion Johnson's also day-to-day. I think he's going to go. We'll see if Trey Pipkins goes – not as important as as Lindsay and, and Lindsay and, and Johnson in the middle. Mike Williams might even go. And the Chargers pass defense is much better than the run defense, which is important against Miami. And it's just Justin Herbert as a dog yeah, catching over three and a half. I see value in the number. It's down to three. I took some three and a half little juice during the week. If it gets back to three and a half, I would take it. I would still take it at three. This would have been one of my picks at three and a half in the Sunday six pack, but I like the money line too. Charter's defense in the red zone has been much better than Miami's in the red zone. And, and like, I, I just haven't fully bought in. Some people have to the Tua train. His numbers are so great. But like we went over last week, he, you know, four straight games against four of the worst defenses in the NFL. And a lot of it's scheme. Like a lot of it, you got to give credit to, and they also have two ridiculous wide receivers. The Chargers have some dudes on the back end. I'm sure Miami will be able to run it. They'll be able to hit some explosive plays. I think this will be a little high-scoring game. I don't hate the over, but uh, Herbert, desperation mode, should have a healthier offensive line here. Keenan Allen's back. I think two will look better this week, but I think everyone wants to be like he either sucks or he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And yeah, it's okay to be in the middle for now, and we'll see. that. That's kind of where I'm at, but we'll see what he can do this week, and then we'll learn a lot about him in the postseason. It doesn't, everyone, everyone doesn't have to either be a bust or a Hall of Famer right away, especially like this early. Do you have any idea? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure Sharps hammered the Dolphins on this one. Uh, hammering a favorite, like minus three on the road, it just seemed odd to me. Uh, any idea why – People seem to love the Dolphins so much. You know, some of the metrics for the Chargers look really bad, and some yeah. people have them rated way lower than I do. I mean, this is still a team that covered their plus three and a half at Kansas City, plus five and a half at home against Kansas City recently, covered both of those games. But uh, there there are groups out there that are just really high on Miami and expect them to bounce back here. But I don't know. Last, last week against the 49ers, the Dolphins didn't – the 49ers ended up taking money. So yeah. And then Tua looks awful, so – yeah, I, I was confused as well. I would be shocked if this doesn't close at three. Yeah, maybe, you know, sometimes these things kind of switch around, you know. If, yeah. If, uh, setting up, setting it up for later. Yeah. 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 So we'll, that's something to monitor. Uh, I will go, I'm going to go with Cleveland here at, at plus 205 for mine. And it, it's kind of simple. Joe, like you mentioned, Joe Burrow 0 4 against the Browns and 0 4 against the Browns who have never had a quarterback as talented as this. Now, obviously, he looked horrible last week, but that's kind of why we're taking a money line dog here. I mean, the Bengals are, what, 17-3 and three against the spread their last 20? You know, it's no point betting against them on the spread at this point, you know, because I looked at that plus six, and I'm like, yeah, probably a little bit high, but really, if you're going to go in with the uh, Browns, just just go money line here. There's just so there's such a wide range of, okay, how much better will Watson look this week? And that's increased variance, which is what we want with our with our our money on underdogs. It could be a letdown spot, you know, coming off that win against the Chiefs. That's always when, you know, Cincinnati gets up for. So yeah, two, two, two big. They've had two big games in a row. Like they went to Tennessee. They had yep. to win that game, and you know that was a hard fought game. And then Kansas City, right down on the wire. So yeah, they could come out a little flat. I could see that. If you parlay. Chargers plus 144 with Browns plus 205. It's uh, about a six and a half X payout. 100 gets you back 744. 
And now it's time for the best of the rest games we haven't covered in any other segment, but are still, as they say, meaningful to some. That's going to be a touchdown, but that may be meaningful to some of you. And you know who I mean. We just got one. It's the Houston Texans at the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys favored by 16 and a half. The total is 46. Uh, anything on this one? Is this really meaningful to some? Is it really meaningful to anybody? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I buy money line Dallas, as I said earlier, with uh, the Lions. I make this like around 15. Uh, I probably should make it higher. I probably just haven't down. I just can't downgrade the Texans enough each week. There's a lot of trends that would support backing the Texans here. I could I could find like a million, but I'm not betting them. Not betting well, this game. Nothing. Dak versus uh, sub 500 teams, 24, nine and two against the spread, 73%. So uh, there's actually trend supporting the Cowboys too. Yeah. I, I, I looked at the under for a second here, you know, these Texan games tend to go under because they just simply don't score. But these Cowboy games, I mean, they, you know, they could come out flat for a, a half and just all they need is Four a quarter. They scored you know, 33 against yeah. the Colts in the fourth last week. It was like every time I would look, I would like look down for one second to like look at my phone, look up, and there was a Cowboy streaking into the end zone. And like a backup, too. It was like Malik Davis, and it was just insane. Now I've got a couple, yeah. So it don't, no, don't this game is awful. No. Yeah. No. Davis Mills is back, by the way, starting. Uh, Kyle Allen experiment. That's why I ticked down. I mean, he should be starting. It's He's he's a better option than Kyle yeah. Allen. I mean, he doesn't turn it over as much. He's just, they'll probably, they need to just get back to giving it to Pierce like 23 times and hope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, that is going to do it for the Week 14 Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. For more of our betting content, be sure to check out actionnetwork.com or download the free award-winning Action Network app where you can follow our bets or track yours for free. Stucky's in the app at Stucky2. I am at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles on Twitter as well. Until next time, let's get this money. Gorgeous.